Welcome to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help busy, high-achieving women overcome the financial stresses that can impact your health, wealth, and happiness. Join Erica as she explores ways you can create a healthy balance of financial wellness and replace limiting beliefs and bad habits to harmonize your journey toward total emotional and financial wellness. Let's get started. Support through leadership. That sounds wonderful, but even leaders can struggle. Erica's guest is one woman who is in an executive level position and knows the power of being authentic. Shireen Luce shares her journey with Erica. Thank you, Patrice. As a woman and as a business leader, I witness on a daily basis the way women are making powerful strides, not only in the business world at large, but in everyday operations of their companies. We lead and we inspire others with deep knowledge, experience, and quiet confidence that makes us truly authentic role models. Women leaders are taking big steps to show that we're here and we mean business. And I'm so excited to share the conversation with Shireen Luz, Head of Culture and Field Experience at RBC Wealth Management. Shireen and I met at a conference in the spring I think it was one of the first in-person events post-COVID, and she shared the enormous role she has in shaping culture at RBC and creating an inclusive environment for women to thrive. Shireen, thank you so much for joining us today. Please introduce yourself to everyone and tell us about your career journey. Thank you so much, Erica. I am so excited to be here, and I do believe it was one of the first in-person events post-COVID. Uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to bring together an incredible group of women, um, and it was wonderful to get to connect with you there. Um, so I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you to your listeners. I am the head of culture and field experience at RBC, which a lot of people say, what on earth is that? And <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, but what I like to say is, You know, we hear about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and there's also another letter that goes in there, and that's B, D-E-I-B, and that's belonging. And to me, culture is belonging, and culture can mean something different to each one of us, and it can mean something different at different times of our lives. And in my role as head of culture, I get to focus on not just the employee aspect of our people, the the nine to five aspect, but who they are is full human beings. So the multidimensional aspects, and I really, really enjoy that. Um, It's really rewarding to get to think about how do I support Erica as the financial advisor, but Erica as the mother, Erica as the daughter, as the community leader, as an individual, um, and what can I do with RBC to help support all of those aspects. So I get to spend my days figuring out how to help people, which I really enjoy. Oh, I love that. Now you have a law background. So how do we go from that to making my day special (laughs) at RBC? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like quite a leap, right? Um, I, I am an employment litigation attorney by training. Um, I always knew I wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to focus on people aspects of the law. And so that led me down to employment law, criminal law, or family law. 
And I knew I was not cut out for criminal law. Um, and family law just seemed to be most of it focusing on the negative aspects of family breakups and child custody. Sure. So employment law became my answer. And I got to spend time in private practice, learning the field, learning the law, um, but always had the dream to go in-house as an attorney for a company. Um, in employment litigation, you're really looking at situations where the employment relationship has been irretrievably broken. Oh, yeah. um, it's already been destroyed and you're trying to fix it after the fact. Whereas going in-house felt like maybe I could have an impact on the front end and impact things positively. So I joined RBC over 16 years ago now in wow. the law group. Yeah. And I uh, had just a great opportunity to work with a lot of really talented people. And then about two and a half years in, I got tapped on the shoulder um, by a very senior leader at RBC saying, hey, we have this role for you. Um, would you like it? And I, I was like, no, no, I, I don't actually want it. <laughs> it was, it was to build out a new function in the United States for RBC and employee relations. And I thought, employee relations, what is that? And why would I want to do that? Right. Um, but thankfully this leader had so much more faith in me than I had myself. Um, they thought that I had the ability to lead a team and create a, a whole new group. And so spent 10 years in employee relations, doing policies and helping people, helping business groups um, do their organizational planning. And I joke dealing with the underbelly of RBC. So people behaving badly. I've got a million amazing stories that aren't <laughs> appropriate for podcasts. Um, but it was a really great opportunity. Um, it was a promotion. I got to be a people leader and I was able to continue to grow. And I, I was in that role for 10 years wow. when I, yeah, once again, had the opportunity because someone saw more in me than I saw myself. And I was approached to become the head of human resources for U.S. wealth management. And I, again, my first reaction was no. I actually said, hell no, <laughs> out loud <laughs> to an executive, right? but realized that my hesitation was my own insecurity about my abilities and capabilities. And so I took a leap of faith and ended up having three wonderful years in that role until I had the opportunity to create this role. Um, which was taking all the best aspects of my, my roles at RBC and putting them into one where I get to focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, um, really supporting our people as humans. I love it. And I find it interesting that you went from one very male-dominated industry into another one. <laughs> and, you know, as much as we love the financial industry. We have to admit that, unfortunately, women are not as represented as we would love them to be. And I'm curious to see and hear about how your role has changed as time has gone on, especially you know post-COVID and everything that we mm -hmm. went through, so much of what happened during the pandemic, I think we're still trying to figure out what impact it's had on us personally. And then obviously within 
the corporation as a whole and the culture as a whole, how much has changed. So I'm sure that your role started and then who knew what big curveball you were going to be thrown. So how, you know, what, what is different now and what's, what's your role post pandemic, so to speak? Oh, so much. <laughs> There's so much, just the pandemic in and of itself, but um, you know, as everyone's world were turned upside down, um, there were some things that we learned during the pandemic that RBC, our CEO and our president wanted to make sure we didn't lose sight of post-pandemic. And that was actually the genesis of the creation of my role. You know, prior to the pandemic, I think a lot of us, especially women um, in a male-dominated industry, when we walked through the doors of the office, we walked away and shut down our life outside the office. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't, you know, talking about the kiddos. It wasn't talking about challenges as being a woman. It was, you just get in and you work harder than everybody else. And you just get your job done because that's kind of what we were trained to do. And what the pandemic forced, but allowed as well is all of a sudden we saw everyone in their true environment. Yeah. We saw them in their homes and we saw their lives happening behind them. And as unfortunate as it was, what led to that, it was such an incredible gift because it allowed everyone to interact on a human level. And one of the things that I, to this day, still do is I always comment about the background mm -hmm. because to me, that's what's far more interesting than whatever it is that we're talking about. So whether it's a cat or a partner or a kiddo or somebody's got an amazing office setup or somebody's in a closet. I mean, it's that's the kind of intimacy we didn't have in the office. Yeah. And I think that is so important to figuring out what is the culture we want in the office. It's also important to know how do we lead as individuals, as leaders of the firm, but also how do we make sure that our benefits and our culture and our opportunities are inclusive of that entire world that we got that view into? And so I learned so much. And what I noticed from the beginning of the pandemic to now in particular was the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I think people thought of human resources or mm -hmm. culture and things like that as, you know, kind of this fluffy kind of world. But what happened was every conversation and every meeting started with how are our employees? Yeah. How are they doing? How are they holding up? And it was focusing on them as individuals, not just the results that they yield. And that's what I think the best companies are doing is they're maintaining that focus and certainly RBC is post pandemic. And so um, it is a silver lining. If you can find one in such mm -hmm. a challenging time um, that we really see people now. And I just really hope that we continue to keep that viewpoint. Um, I used to, you know, like hide when I was leaving the office several years ago, because I would be nervous because, you know, I would go do kiddo pickup. My sure. husband does the morning shift and I do the afternoon shift. So 
I go into the office early, but I leave early. And I used to kind of hide and kind of slink out. But part of being a leader and part of being authentic is showing people, hey, I, I am this role here, but I'm also all of these other things. And I've got a kid that needs to be picked up. And owning that and being transparent about it in hopes that it gives other people this the courage to do the same thing. It's so true because thinking back in my early years in my career, you kind of emulate what you learn from. So whether it's our mothers or if it's other female role models, and it was always, you had to show up. And like you said, you had to leave all your baggage behind and all of the emotion, the, the, you know, part of what makes us women and, and what makes us so unique. And we have so many gifts to give those things you almost felt like you had to just completely put away and be more, more male-like while you were in the room. And what I love is watching over time. And, and to your point, maybe the entire pandemic has elevated this and accelerated it even more. But I love the fact that culture in good organizations is thriving on the fact that we have unique qualities as women and our nurturing side and our interpersonal skills and the way that we care and the way we want to help everybody move in the right direction. These are things that are encouraged to be brought forward now and not put aside. And I think in our industry, which is certainly a very results-oriented industry, it is nice to see that even the way that we deliver advice is changing, that it's so much more about the person and about their family and what's most important to them and not so much about the black and white and always focused on the numbers. And I think as a whole, the industry is changing because that's what the client wants. And then therefore, as individuals within the organization, it's encouraged for us to bring forward those qualities as well. And I, I really love when you said, you know, having the courage to step up because let's face it, there's a whole group of women coming up behind us that we always hope will have a better experience or a more authentic experience than what we had. And, um, you know, so I love that you have the courage to step forward because somebody, we all have to, in order, we have to do the hard stuff the risky things in order to make it easier for our girls in the future. So if we think about, you know, how do we encourage other people to, to step up and, and kind of show that authentic self as you refer to it, because it is so powerful. You know, how do you, how do you connect with people in that way? And how do you encourage people to be open within the organization so that, that they're heard? That's a, such Wonderful points, Erica, especially about like your role as a financial advisor and the special capabilities that you and women bring to it. And, and how do I encourage others to step up? I do it myself. I don't think that you can ask somebody else to do something you're not willing to do yourself. And it becomes easier, I guess. Vulnerability is always hard for everyone. Yep. Um, and certainly uh, I'm in that too. But if I do it and somebody else does it, and then the next thing you know, it becomes so much more the norm. You know, thinking back on kind of my career journey for many, many years of it, I tried, and I'm still trying to be perfect, but 
I tried to put up the perfect persona, which no one is perfect. We all know that. We all understand that. But when I looked at senior women, I was like, oh my gosh, they've got it so together. They're so this, they're so that. They, you know, put them on this pedestal Mm -hmm. of superiority that I just thought, oh my gosh, they're these incredible, you know, super women. And I'm just down here and I'm just such a a flawed and messy individual. But when it really comes down to it, you know, I've said this so many times before, but superwoman isn't real. So let's just accept that. And, you know, I've shared this story a couple of times, but several years ago, I had a, a junior employee come to me and she had we were having a meeting and she had recently come back from maternity leave with her first child and started, you know, the meeting. And I said, Hey, how are you? How's the baby? And you know, she's like, Oh, fine. With that very stilted kind of pinched voice. And I could see tears welling up and I just said, okay, let's talk. What's going on. And she just, you know, kind of lost it in my office talking about, how hard it was trying to work and trying to be a mom. And, you know, it just, she was exhausted. I mean, all of those things that new parents go through. And she looked at me and she said, you must think I'm such a mess. You always have it so together. And I sat there and I just was so stunned because I was the disaster. I was the hot mess in a bad way. And yet I had been putting this veneer up that had her believe that she had to be something that she wasn't, that none of us are. And I, I, I stopped right there and I told her, Oh, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about the times that I've lost it. I've come with different shoes that came with, you know, spit up (laughs) all over poop all over my clothes that, you know, my postpartum anxiety, like all of that, um, And it was so hard to do it that first time. And we sat there and we cried together. But the connection that we made and we still have to this day is so genuine. And that to me is how how to spread it is to be it. Um, And I'm not suggesting everybody has to open up their most deep, dark secrets, but to, you know, really admit things are hard. And during the pandemic, there were several times I started meetings, you know, during the thick of the pandemic, I know we're still, we're still dealing with it, but I started meetings just saying, Hey, I'm not doing well right now. Like I've got kids climbing the walls, literally climbing the walls. I'm working nonstop. We've shut down four branches. We're opening 10, you know, all of these different things. But I just was really open with my colleagues and just said, hey, it's a tough day. How are you? But just starting with the human check-in. And and now we have this built-in knowledge of, you know, people's lives. And we can say, hey, how are your kids? How, how's the start of their school year going? And have that real connection that is about more than just a financial number. And it's so important because I think that to your point, I I think being vulnerable is very difficult and showing. (laughs) And I think, you know, I can speak for myself that for me, it certainly came with age. And I remember when I turned 40, almost eight years ago, and I 
everybody said, oh, 40, so great. You're going to feel so um, comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, I'm reading all these articles and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. This is just some way of making me feel better about turning 40. But lo and behold, when I look back at it, it, it really is, you finally find your voice and you realize what's most important and you are willing to take those extra risks. You're willing to be vulnerable. You're willing to be more present. And I would love to have had that a little bit earlier in life. And I think that maybe part of it is how we kind of went up the ranks and the women that we had around us. I think that along the way, there were some women that maybe weren't as supportive as others. And it wasn't their fault. It was that really there was one seat at the table and we all had to fight each other for it. And so we weren't exactly as, um, you know, as helpful and as cohesive as we are now. So have you had those experiences coming up the ranks? Because especially being in, in this industry and then in the law industry, you know, our seats were few back in the day. Yes, so few. And Oh, I remember when I shared with the managing partner of the law firm, um, who I worked really, really closely with for years, we had a great relationship. He taught me so much. When I told him I was going to move to RBC Wealth Management, he looked at me and he said, you're going to a broker dealer. They're going to eat you alive. <gasps> and I was so stunned. Yeah. And I thought, I am one of how many female attorneys in this office? If I survived this, like I could right. survive that. But it was, you know, to your point, it's that it's that how do you give the the courage and the voice? I wish I would have had it earlier. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely has been this idea of, oh my gosh you know, you've got the, the women who are the hardest on one another. I certainly have seen that in the workplace. Yep. Um, and what I really hope is that that's going by the wayside um, because it isn't a zero sum game. There, there are an infinite number of seats at the table. It isn't, yeah. if that woman gets it, I don't. And I think we as women and female leaders and, you know, the women listening to this podcast, like it's more than just lift up someone. You got to drag them if you have to. Exactly. And it's pulling other women up and they may not understand what you're telling them to the extent that you get it at, you know, our ages now, but to have that voice and to speak up. And I can tell you, I never moved faster up the ladder than once I actually just started saying it like it is, I started being unfiltered and having the difficult conversations and pushing back yeah. before I would, was so worried about, oh, how do I say this so I don't upset someone? And, you know, yeah, okay. But now I just say it like it is. And yeah. I speak up instead of waiting. Like I used to, I used to always wait till other people said something, but now I'm like, Oh wait, I have an idea. Oh, I've got a suggestion or here's who we should get for that. And it's actively sponsoring and pulling up talented women around us. I love that word sponsor because it's such a different word than mentor and mentoring is great. Absolutely wonderful. Yep. I think we should do that for each other all the time, but actually creating an avenue, creating the seat, 
even if it means, Mm -hmm. you know, actually putting a seat where it didn't, it didn't occur before or a role that didn't exist like for you. And and you never know Mm -hmm. what opportunities we may have as women that are a little bit more seasoned in our careers to be able to create those roles for, for other women coming up. And I know for me, one of my passions is to try to bring on more women as financial advisors, because I, I really do think that this is not only such a great role for women to be great for clients, but it is such a wonderful role as a mother. And you know, my ability to be able to create my own schedule and have a certain amount of flex- flexibility and to be able to have those really meaningful relationships with clients, it's very, it, it's incredibly rewarding. And I think that we have to find a way to not just say it'd be great to to have more women, but to actually create that for them and create a path. And, and, you know, as I said before, take that risk of, you know, being the one to step forward and, you know, not necessarily say something that you would have said, you know, years ago. And I think that that's part of it. So having said that it took me how many years to get to this point, I'm sure that you have some advice you would give your younger self, but what would you, what would you tell younger girls coming up now that would be something that they could actually do, not something that, you know, takes this many years and and this much courage to build up. What advice would you give a a younger woman at this point in their career? First and foremost, use your voice. Use your voice. Um, Don't wait to be asked. Provide the input. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be intentional, just like we need to be intentional in identifying talented women and sponsoring them and pulling them up. Women need to be intentional. Don't wait for somebody to approach you. You approach someone else. You establish the relationships. You demand pay. Um, it's, it's so crazy to me that still in this day and age, you can look at offers made to individuals for the same role and men routinely counter and women still do not. Right. It's, it's speaking up at its core. It's speaking up in all facets and it doesn't take someone else to do that. It just takes using your voice um, and have belief in yourself. And right now is the incredible job market being the way it is. Yeah. Use it to your advantage. Absolutely. And, you know, to your to your point about using your voice, one of the things that I uh, really learned along the way was to kind of take count of your accomplishments. So that's something that I think a lot of women don't do. We don't praise ourselves enough to ourselves. And it, this just happened to come up with a client recently who is looking for another role and has not had to, this role is, let's, it, it would be a, a dream for her. And she knows she wants to shine. And you could just see the blank stare when I said, well, look through your career and everything that you accomplished. And she said, I don't even know if I can remember. And I think that that's part of it. We, we're just trying to juggle our lives day to day and you know, make sure that you know, one part of our life doesn't fall while the other one is being, is being attended to. But I think it's so important to sit down, whether it's weekly or monthly, and no matter how little the accomplishment is, write it down because you never know when you're going to be tapped for a new position. You never know when you're going to want to fight for that raise, when somebody's going to nominate you for something, or you just need a pick me up 
you just need, you're having a bad day and you just want to look at what has gone well. And I think that we, we really don't take the time to uh, pat ourselves on the back and, and let, uh, let ourselves shine, even if it's in our own journals. And I know myself, there has been many days where I have looked at old thank you cards or just old emails that I've put in a file that came from clients. And it it just, it really does change your whole outlook. And it reminds you of, you know, why we're doing this and, you know, why it's so important that we stay strong through all of this. So one last thing, um, I got to mention the word guilt because I can never have a conversation with another working mom. (laughs) Without mentioning the word guilt, because let's face it, that is uh, 24-7 what I live, or at least it's that feeling of, you know, you're, you're never fully present no matter where you are. So do you feel guilt and how do you deal with it? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I struggle with guilt so much um, and, you know, it is constant. And especially recently, I have traveled a fair amount. And the amount of guilt I feel to my kids, to my husband, to the friends I haven't seen, to the family I haven't seen, um, it is it is overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that I, you know, I have found a way, I found a solution to deal with my guilt. I haven't. Um, what I have done though, is I've found ways to be more productive about it. Um, and I often use the phrase failing on all fronts because that's how I'm always feeling. I'm failing at work, failing at home, failing in this, failing in that, um, which I really should put a positive spin on it. But, um, one of the things that I am really, really focused on and is being present and I think I've done a really good job of being present in my personal life when I'm home, I'm with my family. But what I found was when I was at work, I was feeling guilty that I wasn't at home. Or when I traveled, I felt guilty that, you know, my husband was doing all this. That doesn't make the situation any better. It just makes me feel worse. So trying to just be present wherever I am is going to make me so much more valuable to whatever it is that I'm doing. So no longer just focusing on being present at home, but when I'm at work, I'm all in at work. I'm not feeling guilty about missing this or missing that. I'm doing everything I can do to be the best in that space. Because you said it earlier, like there are different times where you kind of do this yo-yo and the idea that you have some kind of work-life balance, I think it's absolutely a crock. There is no balance. And I think it's kind of this, this, altering today I need to work 13 hours because I've got to deal with X but you know what tomorrow I'm going to be a mystery reader at my son's school and I'm going to figure out how to make that happen and I'm going to go there and I'm going to love being there with him in his classroom Um, and so just trying to figure out on any given day because it really is by the day at this point yep where do I need to focus the most of my attention and my energy. And that's how I'm trying to deal with the guilt and to also understand that I can't be everything to everyone all of the time. Um, So I need to just focus on the priorities in those given moments. 
That sounds exactly as it should be. Now, everything you just said, I heard you say, I can't be all things to everybody. You spoke about being a mom. You obviously spoke about being a wife, spoken about you know your role at work. What about yourself? Because I think this is probably the <laughs> hardest thing. And we'll wrap up here. And I just want to quickly ask, because I always love to get any tips from other women, particularly when it comes to that brief period of time where we have time to ourselves and we can fill that time with, you know, it doesn't matter if you're going to binge something uh, on streaming or if you're going to listen to a podcast or you're going to read a book, what do you find yourself um, filling that time with and any, any good tips out there that you can share with the audience? Yes. So self-care um, to me is often a four-letter word or a couple four-letter words. <laughs> um, but I think focusing on self-care not becoming another to-do, but making it just part of you, part of your day. It's not a, if I get this done, it's this. It's as important as it is to eat meals, you know, drink your water. Um, what I enjoy doing, I'm an avid reader, um, and I love podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I have a few favorites, um, both Brene Brown podcasts. Oh, Those she's are so great. my, she is, she is just so unbelievable and inspiring. So Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, Unlocking Us. Um, and then one I'm currently um, binging on is Slow Burn which is oh. a historically based podcast. And so it takes specific events and really dives into them. Um, and so that one's been a fantastic series. And oh, I'll have to check it out. Season is very different. Yeah, yeah. Like it started with Watergate. And oh, then it was how the interesting. Scandal. Oh, yeah, boy. then it was the Lewinsky scandal. But then it was Tupac and... Biggie. Uh, Biggie. Yeah. Uh, that whole rivalry. And so it's just, it's really interesting. And now the season I'm listening to now is Roe v. Wade. So, oh, wow. It's just a really yeah. interesting historical look, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a podcast, especially historical podcast junkie. Oh, it's so, it's so great. And it's so um, nice to hear some different ideas because the, you get so stuck in kind of your little bubble listening to the same things and then you get the <laughs> suggestions and you end up kind of just staying right within that, that framework. So thank you for sharing. Shereen, I'm so mm -hmm. excited to have had you today. And I really hope that our listeners are inspired by your story. And I hope we get to chat again soon. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me, letting me chat with you. It was a wonderful time. And uh, thanks to everybody who listened. Thank you. Follow this podcast to make sure you know when the latest episode is ready for you. And please share with others, especially the women in your life. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to A Strong Woman for Strong Women with Erica Cummings. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest as of the date of this recording, is subject to change without notice, and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RBC Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. 
The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or another qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Investment and insurance products offered through RBC Wealth Management are not insured by the FDIC or any other federal government agency, are not deposits or other obligations of or guaranteed by a bank or any bank affiliate, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of the principal amount invested. RBC Wealth Management is a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE FINRA SIPC. RBC Wealth Management does not provide tax or legal advice. All decisions regarding the tax or legal implications of your investments should be made in connection with your independent tax or legal advisor. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. It is not possible to invest directly in an index. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional service provider.